So, uh, real honour to, to give this message this morning, I have to say. And um, there was two, there's two parts to it. One part I was really just going to focus on, and then typical late Friday evening, I really felt the Lord impressed. Now I want you to start with, with something different or uh, and lead in. There was a bit missing, and I really felt in my heart. And then just there was a, there was an email that came into my email box this morning with a whole sermon on it, literally. And I'm like, that's mad, right? So this is. This is for us this morning, I really believe it. Certainly for me anyway. So, Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you use us to, to deliver your word. Holy Spirit, I ask for your guidance. Um, I ask for hearts to be prepared. I ask for ears to be opened and eyes to be given full vision. We cleanse ourselves with your blood this morning, Jesus, so that we can hear what you have to say. Even in the tough messages, Jesus, even the tough things that you have to say, we welcome them because you are after our hearts. You are after us. You are after full restoration, full healing, and full identity in who you have, uh, have made us for and what you came to claim back for us and in full victory. We ask that in your name, Jesus. So I'm going to read out this very quickly. Um, part of the email that I got this morning. Christ did not die for an idea. He died for a person. And that person is you. But there again, we can be led astray. Ask any number of people why Christ came, and you will receive any number of answers. But rarely the real one. He came to bring world peace. He came to bring, or to teach us the way of love. He came to die so that we might get to heaven. He came to bring economic justice. Uh, on and on it goes. Much of it is based in, par- in a partial truth. But it wouldn't be better. Uh, but wouldn't it be better to let him speak for himself? Jesus steps into the scene in the synagogue. Do you remember that scene in the synagogue where he, he reaches back for a 400-year-old prophecy? Miles, you want to put Isaiah 61 up there for me, please? To tell us why he's come. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. The meaning of this quotation has been clouded by many years of, of religious language, ceremonial draping. But what is Jesus really saying here? It has something to do with good news, healing hearts and setting somebody free. Christ could have chosen any of thousands of other passages to explain his purpose. But he did not. He chose this one. This is the heart of his mission. Everything else he says he do, and does finds its place under the banner. I am here to give you back your heart and set you free. That is why the glory of God is man fully alive. It's what, it said, it's what he said he came to do. But of course, the opposite can't be true either. The glory of God is man barely making it. A person hardly alive. How can it bring God, how can, um, it bring God glory? For his very image, his own children, were to remain so badly marred, broken and captive. I have to say, that message has landed with me an awful lot over my walk um, with, with Jesus. So, and what Jesus, in your walk with him, what he tries to do is knock religion out of us, which is pretty awesome. And that's what we need. We need that religious churchianity sometimes knocked out of us. And hopefully I introduce new categories today to you of Jesus, who Jesus really is and what he's really here to do. Sometimes it's really hard to, to even fathom um, that Jesus is here and was on mission to heal your broken heart. Some of the some of the some of the things that I've learned over the last few years is that I've come to to realise that I am I am made in the image of God. Hard to believe it, right? I, I guarantee if I went around the room and, and tested you, you'd be like, Yeah, I'm made in the image of God. What are you laughing at? I'm already done. <laughs> <laughs> again I'm a broken vessel <laughs> but what I love about the, the, the saying in Isaiah 61 
Jesus, that, 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 um, that, that verse that he chose, in, in the Hebrew it's called Leb Shabar. Leb is your heart, and Shabar means shattered. I've come to, to bind up your shattered heart. So imagine you were made whole. This beautiful little vase, isn't it? It's gorgeous, little vase. Um, I think Zion actually painted that, so thank God he isn't here because I'm about to smash it. And over, the, over the, the course of your life, life is brutal on our heart. It's brutal. And Jesus knows it. I hope this works. I hope it doesn't dint that. Where will I go? Will I go here? Or here? Where will I do it? Where will I do it? Yeah? All right. Oh, God, that worked. Yay! Thank God that worked. So literally, Jesus says, that's your heart. It's been marred and broken by things that have happened in your life. And he's come back. How is anyone going to make something back out of that? And if you're here today thinking that you don't need Jesus, I hope not. I hope you really need it. You need Jesus more than you ever thought. Only Jesus can put that pieces, those pieces back together. Jesus came to go to war for this very reason. During the week I realised that if this was Jesus' mission to bind your brokenheartedness, what does the enemy not want? The enemy wants you staying your brokenness. Wants to remind you of your brokenness. Want to tell you that those pieces are crap now. Those pieces are awful. Some pieces, some pieces, yeah, overreact in your brokenness. They overreact or underreact, and this is your whole personality put together. Your whole personality is, and life is experienced through the things that have hurt your life and hurt your heart. But can I just tell you that Jesus has said that I'm going to put you back together? And this was his mission, folks. Like, really, he could have picked anything else, but he said, I've come back to set you free and bind up your broken heart. Your heart is really, really important to Jesus. And the job isn't finished yet. It's certainly not finished in mine. One thing I heard a few weeks ago, and I thought it was absolutely beautiful, was that one of these pieces can represent any time in your life. And I'll tell you a story that uh, a guy told me a few weeks ago. That can represent eight-year-old you when something really bad happened when you were eight or 12 or 16 or 20 or 25. And what the enemy tries to tell you is, that bit is now bad. That bit is dirty, filthy. But what I learned and what was really beautiful is that the peace is still in the image of God. The peace may overreact from its brokenness but the piece is still beautiful. Well, let me tell you a story that a guy told me a few weeks ago. Um, at a retreat a few weeks ago, and um, there was this time where you had to invite Jesus into some, into some of your brokenness. You had to invite him, go, okay, where do you want to go? And this guy said this, that Jesus brought him to a place where he was eight years of, old, eight years of age, um, and he was really hurt, really badly hurt by by people around him, there was a shame, and he didn't want to bring Jesus there because he was like, oh, it's too dirty, it's filthy. That piece is manky, Jesus. So, so in, in the place in his heart, he was like, actually, can you, can you take that away, Jesus? Can you make that part new? Or just delete it. He wanted to get it away. And Jesus was like, no. That part is really important. What happens here in that brokenness I want to heal. So this is what happened. The guy, fair play to him, invited Jesus in. He says, okay, go for it. And this is what he told me the story was, that he saw Jesus bring the eight-year-old little boy to the places, the physical places in his, it was in his neighborhood, etc., where he was hurt. He was deeply, profoundly hurt. And Jesus was burning up the places. And there was no shame. Jesus took away the shame. It's away. It's gone. It's gone. And literally burning what was left was charred remains of things of old. I was like, that's amazing. And then this is what he says. He said, 
the little broken piece, the little eight-year-old him, turned to, to his now existing person, because he was seeing this, Jesus was showing him through his eyes, etc. And the little eight-year-old turned to him and said, thank you for bringing Jesus to us. Oh, man, that is amazing. Thank you for bringing Jesus to us. And we have places and shards in our heart that we don't want Jesus to show into. He is an amazing healer. He, is, he wants to bring us to fullness of who we are. And we have to let him in. So what I want you to hear, your broken pieces are the very pieces that Jesus wants to use. There might be shame at those moments in time, but the broken pieces are still very important to, to Jesus and he wants to heal them. They're not going to get deleted. They're, not going to get, they're going to get fully integrated back into your heart. Mal, do you have Colossians there? This is a weird category for me. Um, let's have a read of Colossians. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Can I introduce two things to you here? Jesus is your creator. Now, I don't know about you, but when I found that, I was like, I never did that category of Jesus. I never had that category for him. Jesus created me? It totally makes sense. And he holds all things together? He wants to hold all of you together. Now, now I'm not... Religion will tell you that this is too personal. Right? Your flesh will tell you this is too personal. Jesus isn't that personal. That verse isn't about integrating your parts. That verse is not about holding all things together. Yeah, he's talking about the universe there. I call, I call bull crap on that. I absolutely call bull crap on that. Because Jesus said he's come to bind up the broken hearted. And he said he wants to hold all, and he holds all things together, and he wants to hold you together. He wants to be that beautiful glue in between all of those parts. Mal, can you throw up um, Hebrews? I think I have it as well. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and many times in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things in his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He sustains all things. He wants to sustain you. He wants to sustain you. He wants to bring you together. He wants those parts brought back together, healed, restored. Your identity in Jesus. Your identity who is meant to be what he bought for. What he purchased. On the cross. Uh, Dallas Willard and George MacDonald both have similar sayings. And I'm paraphrasing both. If Jesus just came for salvation, it is that that is not where the story stops. Jesus came for full release of all sin, all inclination of sin, and for healing and full restoration of the human heart. It's not just, oh, you're, you're missing the hellfires. Hallelujah for that, by the way. Right? I'm telling you, hallelujah for that. But that's a bit of a low-ball salvation. and makes a little bit of diminishment of the cross, if I, if, and I speak that as burners. Right? I, I genuinely feel I've low-balled in my Christian life the cross. Right? Where I've said, oh yeah, I, you've just come to save me, but I'm wallowing in absolute crap. What's that about? You talk to, other, you talk to Christians, so you even just check your own heart. You're like, is it just salvation? No. Jesus said he came to bind the broken heart. He wants us from glory to glory. And in Philippians he says, I will bring to completion what I started. And that's what he wants to do. The beauty about Jesus is he, he won't do it without invitation. 
he won't do it without invitation. If this is so important to Jesus, you have an enemy that is absolutely hell-bent on you not getting your full restoration, your full heart back, and your full identity in Jesus. And this is, there's a few streams to this. There's obviously healing things, there's other things, but today I'm going to talk about the little bit of the warfare that goes on for your heart. And can I just say, Jesus is still at war for you. God is still at war for you. The enemy is still at war. Right? You can see that in what's happened in history. <coughs> the enemy is still at war. So this is just one category that I want to introduce that you've got to be careful of in your restoration walk with God. Spiritual warfare is a big thing. You've got to be conscious of this. And at the moment we live on earth, at the moment, this is serious. This is pretty serious. Now, will you put up um, uh, the slide with the posh, please? This is a ja- the ja- Have you seen this? The Japanese um, thing? Um, Bridget introduced me to this, actually. I think, I think it's one of the most beautiful things. That How beautiful is that? The gold, for me, represents, obviously, what Jesus is doing. He wants to knit together with him. And... If you look at Colossians and Hebrews, that is exactly what Jesus is doing. He wants to be that integrating force. He wants to be that integration of all your pieces, binding them them together. And that the reflection of that brokenness, brokenness turned into beauty, that's your testimony to the world. How the enemy wanted to use it for pretty bad, but God uses it for his glory. I absolutely want to get one of these because, yeah, Jesus has healed me in so many different places and continues to. I have many places and shards still left in my bowl that I haven't even invited Jesus into. I'm going, no, that's a no-go. <laughs> no. And he's such a gentleman. and so nice that he, that he won't go there until two are ready. But you've got to face the music at some stage because he wants the fully integrated heart. So, a little bit of a pivot into spiritual warfare because this, this is why the enemy, in your noggin, right, you process the world in different ways. In your <coughs> noggin, the enemy tries to get in and stop this restoration. Stop you becoming more of who Jesus bought. You, uh, Jesus bought. So, imagine, a strange pivot for here, me actually. So the Israelites are in, uh, are in, um, you know, Egypt. Yeah, all shattered, broken pieces. Oh my goodness, shattered. They're a bit enslaved. Oh, it's awful. And 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 they're brought through the Red Sea. And there's a beautiful, um, a beautiful um, rendition of of a, of a praise to God, of a song, as such, a song of Moses. Um, in Exodus 15. I only took a part of it. So imagine, you've gone through the Red Sea, you've seen the goodness of God, you've seen all of these miracles, right? all these crazy things happen. And then now if you put it back to this 15, please for me. And the Israelites look back and go, oh my goodness, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And then if you look in Jude, right? Some, some parts in Jude, uh, it's only one chapter, so verse 5. In Jude, it talks about, it says that Jesus was the one that brought the Israelites out of. Right? Some scriptures, uh, some pieces say Christ God, or God Christ. And then in the NLT, it actually goes, no, it's further, it says Jesus brought the Israelites out. And I just want to say that Jesus is at war for your heart still. He knows what's coming against your heart. He knows what's coming against your life. And I just want to put this category before you that Jesus is still at war for your heart. It's a victory he has won, by the way. But we have to step into that. When Jesus went to war, if we, say, if we take the, um, the Jude example and we say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And we say that God and, G- and Jesus being the warrior that he is, um, he had to... They were all shattered and broken. And he went against demonic forces in Egypt. 
Mal, if you've, I think I have a slide up there. I, I'm not going to go through this, and then sorry, you need binoculars. But this is this is a, this is kind of a new teaching for me, anyway. Where um, all of these, all of these, the plagues, each one, each <coughs> plague was against a specific deity in Egypt. God specifically went after the demonic forces that were coming against the hearts of His people. They weren't just haphazard. There were specific things to break down the strongholds so that his people would be set free. And why do I show that? It's because there's still demonic forces against and hell-bent against God's people. Sorry, I'm making a bit of a mess here. If we go to Colossians 2.15, we are on the far side of that victory now. Jesus had made an absolute utter monarch, a mockery of all the rulers and principalities. It's unfortunate that we still accept their power over our lives, or we still engage with it, or we don't believe in what Jesus is actually up to. Right? So for me, you know, healing and you know, some people go through difficult times in their mind, anxiety, maybe depression, maybe there's things in um, in people's hearts that that anger, fear. What I'm trying to get at here is that Jesus made a mockery of all of these things and it's for us to step into. The blood is still working. The cross is still working. We need to step into those victories and this is the part we need to step into warfare. I'm going to show a video um, and it just really superbly signifies signifies the gospel message that Jesus has stripped bare all powers and principalities. But it's for the believer to press forward. It's, a, it's, a, it's, an, old, um, it's an old clip from Superman. Right? Um, just, just look at the gospel <coughs> elements to it. Absolutely. If anyone likes Superman, by the way, you love Jesus. Because they took, took everything everything from the gospel. I'm not joking. Mal, can you play that there for me? There's a lot volume there, Mal. I need more.
well. So you can see the gospel being weaved in there. It's just robbed straight from the gospel, right? Utterly robbed. And um, what I love about that, Lois Lane realizes, hold on a minute, you've been stripped of all your power here. And she gives it, gives the, the baddie a dig in the head, right? This is what we have to march through for the enemy's hellbent of you not getting your wholeheartedness back. And wants you to live in a lie that you have no power. Colossians 1 shows that they have no power. You can only live on lies from now, right? That's all they can live on. They can only live on what you believe to be true. Like that, the, the hand around the neck thing, right? Where you need to step into, no, no, I'm stepping into the victory that Jesus has given me here. And it is a really important part of your restoration story realizing that Jesus died so that the powers and principalities would no longer have claim over your life. It's such an important category to realize. Mal, can you put up um, 1 Corinthians, please, for me? Based on all that you've seen now, this scripture should bring it to life, what we're aiming to do. So now you have been given every spiritual gift. You need, as you eagerly wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for He is faithful to do what He says, and He has invited you into partnership with his son Jesus. Whoa. Now, if that word partnership doesn't jump off that page, if that, those words, every spiritual gift doesn't jump off. When I first read this in this context, I was like, oh my goodness. Where in my life have I allowed the enemy tell me a lie that I don't have claim over such a thing, or I don't have, I don't have victory over such a thing, or I don't have this over such a thing. That God isn't bringing me from glory to glory. That isn't bringing me to that beautiful made pot filled with gold, made precious again. I think it's really important that we look at this as a category that the enemy really doesn't want us to realise our full potential in Jesus. You are called into direct intervention with the powers of darkness by following Jesus. Now I'm not talking about going out and all of a sudden, you know, saying, Lord, I want to bring down the principalities in Bray or out like that. I'm talking about the stuff that's even messing with your head. I'm talking about things that are are not are, that you're not happy with in terms of it could be sin, it could be anything. That you go, hold on a minute, this is this is a this seems to look like a bit of a stronghold or a claim over my life here. What's going on? I'm trying to start a home for guys who are, you know, husbands stepping into your full authority in your house, right? You know, making sure nuts coming against your house, this kind of thing. And if you're not married and like claiming, um, you know, authority in your house wherever you live, like you know, not just I'm picking on husbands because they have one. Um, so guys stepping in, right? You own a home; it's your kingdom. You need to step into that, you know. Um, I want to just take us into Luke 8, uh, 10 I think I have there Mal it's like being doing a late late show on this you know, it really is <coughs> thank you Mal um, so yes so this is a story Jesus says right out in all authority I've given you everything you need out you go right they've just gone out and they've let heaven loose right They've come back and said, Jesus, we've seen stuff happen in your name. And Jesus said, yeah. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you, given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk amongst snakes, scorpions, and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Now, can I just say this? Look, look, look at where it says crush them. It doesn't say swaddle them off 
And he's not talking about real snakes and scorpions here, right? He's not, he's not going... Like, this is in context of spiritual warfare. Going after people's hearts, right? Going after people's lives. Restoring, setting captives free. He's saying to them, I've given you authority to kill, to trample, to end, to be a direct intervention for the kingdom of heaven. Not a, away you go. This is purposeful, it's, it's, it's like loud, it's authoritative, it's serious. Like he's not saying there, go out really timid. But I want you to go out, I want you to trample things in my name. I want you not to take the crap that the enemy is trying to give you. That's a serious verse. But again, we religiousize it and go, I want you to go and trample on snakes. And oh, Jesus is like, I want you to go out there. I want you to trample on snakes and crush them. It exactly harkens back to Genesis 3.15, right? He's going to stamp on your head. Right? In warfare, it's bloody. It's pretty bloody. I just want to bring you to the time now that we're in. Right? Test this. I want you to test this. Go home, sit with Jesus and say, Jesus, Bernard said this. I want you to test this. There's things happening on this earth that are at a pace that are just biblical. In Revelation 12, 11, if you don't know this off by heart, I beg of you to know it. The reason being, I didn't know it off by heart, but I know it now and I use it a lot. Right? It talks about our victory through the blood of the Lamb. Our victory. We have overcome the enemy with the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. Know it. Daily cleanse your house and yourself with the blood of the Lamb. I am under the blood of the Lamb. I have been cleansed with the blood of the Lamb. What's coming against the saints at the moment is pretty crappy. Cleanse yourself often with the blood of the Lamb on your home, your family, your children, everything, your cars, your pets. I cleanse this home with the blood of the Lamb. (coughs) Jesus is my testimony. All right? You need to cleanse the atmosphere. Get worship on. Demons hate it. Right? Get your heart realigned. Your thoughts about you. Your thoughts. The thoughts about you. I'm a this. I'm a... Oh, the enemy tried to do a real number on me this week. Honestly. The thoughts that I was... They were trying to just introduce to go, you're this, you're that. And I'm like... No. No. I'm cleansing my thoughts with the blood of Jesus. Cleanse and reject that nonsense. Jesus isn't like that. Jesus doesn't give you those you commentary on your life that is negative and shitty and crappy. <coughs> cleanse my, I cleanse my mind with the blood of the Lamb. I Jesus will bring to fruition what he has for me. Take authority in the little kingdoms that you've given, that you've been given. Jesus may give you more. But in the authority that you've been given, your little kingdoms, and I say your home, your work, cars, finances, all of these kingdoms that you've been given, take authority. So your authority you're taking because of Jesus' authority. Right? Ephesians 2.6, for he, has, he, he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus. That isn't a seat that you, you come off every now and again, right? You go, oh, I don't know if I really, I don't know if I'm in there. You are now seated. Your spirit is seated in heavenly places with Jesus. That's the Father speaking. He's going, I did this. You're there. Because of what my son did. You're there. You need to take that and recognize that. And the enemy hates when we go, hello, I'm, I'm seated in heavenly places. I take authority through Jesus because Jesus dismantled you. Live it out. Get your orders top down. <coughs> What's useful in this instant is then, Jesus, I bring all of my kingdom under your kingdom. Everything under your kingdom. Everything. My money, my, um, my, my job, my cars, my family, everything is under your kingdom. Now, sometimes there's a little inclination of a talk going, I'm not bringing that under. I don't know what to go and do with it. 
bring it under his jurisdiction. Everything you have is his anyway. And then, at the moment, um, <coughs> we, did, we, we introduced this a few weeks ago in, um, in the, the spiritual warfare uh, stuff that we're doing. And Hebrews 1.14 talks about angels. Um, and it talks about ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. So Lord, whatever your, whatever your orders are, can you please ask your angels to, ca- to, to carry them out on my behalf? Right? Remember, there was a knock on the door and people uh, in, in Acts and people said, oh, it must be Peter's angel. Well, what's the story with that? So there's, there's angels assigned for the saints to, to, to help carry out the orders of the kingdom. Lord God, I ask your angels to go forth protect whatever needs protected right they're there to serve those that's not my words it's in Hebrews 1.14 and this is, this, is a, this is another one where is the temple right now where is the temple Jay's the only one that knows <laughs> Jay's like yeah you do it's one for everyone in the audience where is the temple? The temple is in your heart. It's deep within you. It's set amongst you. The glory of God is set amongst you. It's in your heart. The beautiful scripture in Zechariah 2.5 where God speaks <coughs> over, over um, Jerusalem and over the temple. He said, And I myself will be a wall of fire around us. And I will be its glory within. Where does the glory of God sit? In you. So I bring the heavenly fire around me that God promised around the temple and the glory within within me. Zechariah 2.5 I would take that down and start talking that out. So there's a few things that are, that are really... And I'll give you a prime example. Hatred on the world is rife at the moment. Just look at what happened in Dublin. It was awful. It was full of hatred. It was just terrible. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling tales out of school, right? But I talked to a lot of Christians about this. And this is the spectrum that people are on. I'm not, I'm not, this is not me giving out to anyone. This is not, I'm not, and if you feel this way, let's have a chat afterwards. I've talked to Christians who are like, should have been out protesting. It's absolutely shocking. Yeah, we should have been out there with them. Okay, cool, all right. And then Christians, one, one Christian I talked to was like, yeah, it was pretty demonic. It was demonic forces trying to impress on our city. You have this wild spectrum. What do we do when we see this stuff? See, Satan is hell-bent on stopping the restoration of people and getting us, he's baiting us, trying to bait Christians into, get into political thought. Come on, come on, come on. Come on in. But we're told... Our, our fight is against principalities. We to seek Jesus, kingdom eyes. Jesus, what is this all about? What is going on in the heavenly? Anything you see crappy happening on the earth, trust me, there's something really crappy happening in the heavenlies. It, 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 that's it. It's connected. So against hatred, you bring the love of God. Lord, I, whatever hatred that the enemy is trying to bring, even in our own hearts, like there was hatred even in the statement that God, um, this is not the person because again, it's not the, it's the enemy. It's the absolute enemy trying to bait us as Christians. Politicize, get us trying to get into politics. COVID did a number on the church. You, you've spoken to people who are like, you're taking, you take that back then, the enemy, tick, tick, tick on your head. You're like, what, what, what? What are you doing? I got a text from somebody saying, we're in the middle of the tribulation. My text back was, hallelujah, because Jesus is coming back. I said, boom, if it is. You're like, what? what? See how we were baited. And we didn't invite Jesus in. Jesus, what's going on? What is going on here? Be careful. That's rife at the moment, and the enemy wants to bait us. We bring the love of God over these things. And we don't entertain this stuff, guys. Yeah. What else? I believe through that stuff. I'm nearly there, so hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. Um, this is important. This is important.
Um, I believe we're starting to see the falling away in 2 Thessalonians 2. My heart has been stirred, and it's only been stirred by the Lord because I'd rather sleep at times, to be honest with you. Um, stirred by the Lord to speak over us. And, and the elders have done the same to go, no, Lord, whatever's coming against the saints, we banish it. Because it's so... One day I could be like, this is not true. This is mad to believe all of this. And you're like, oh, I, oh no way. Whoa, whoa, where's that talk coming from? Get, get away. Spirit of death. Spirit of, of apostasy. It's a force. It is a force. It's the spirit. In, uh, Mal, do I have two, Timothy? One, Timothy? Timothy? Yes, lovely. Boom. Lovely. The spirit clearly said in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. There is a prophetic edge to that. <coughs> right? Where um, you see deceiving spirits. You can see it a mile away now. Right? You can see deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Even the intellectualism that's happening now on the earth. Things taught by demons. There's no such thing as God. Nothing came. Everything came from nothing. And people are actually believing that. Now, that's a doctrine of the, de- of the devil, like. But yeah, people are like, oh yeah, I believe that, rather than God. Wow, right? So I believe we have to protect ourselves against that force. Because one day, you could be disappointed in something and you're like, where's Jesus? Where's God? And you will have others go, where's your God when that happened? Where's your God now? Where's it? You'll have that and you've got to protect yourself against this is a force. It's a demonic force set against the saints. And last, but by no means least, pain, disappointment and trauma. One of the biggest things the enemy will try and use right now to desecrate where the temple is in your heart is to use pain, disappointment and trauma against God. Where is your God? It's, it's the same stuff from the, from, from, from the garden. God really say that? Surely he wants other things for you, not... That's very controlling. Some things we can't answer. I don't have answers to things in my life, but I trust the Lord. I have to hand over a lot of trauma in my life to Jesus and say, I trust you. I, I, I trust you. I can't answer it. It's painful, but I trust you in it. Because you're good. Because you're good. I know your heart towards me is good. That doesn't mean that we don't have to, we can't be, you know, Lord, where were you? Where were you when that happened? He can deal with that, but you've got to take it to him. You've got to take it to him. So important. This will be more and more set against the saints. We will be disappointed. We were, we've been sick for the last three weeks and we're like, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? But in a moment, that can turn into agreements like, He's not here. He doesn't love you. You're sick for weeks. And you can hear the enemy, Your child is sick. Jesus doesn't love you. It is from the pit of hell. And you come against that nonsense. You say, no, my God is good. Jesus is for us. And you bring this stuff to Jesus. Jesus, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that we're sick for so long. Come, come into our hearts. Catch our hearts here, will you? What's that about? And, and I have no an answer. But I have peace because Jesus, I know, is in it. It's really important, folks. And Trauma. I honestly believe that Jesus is the most beautiful psychologist, psychotherapist on the face of the planet. You've got to bring your trauma to him. You've got to bring the broken pieces. And just if you heard anything today, just hear that, that broken piece where you think it's full of shame, dirt, filth, all that stuff. Jesus doesn't see it that way. Jesus sees a piece that he wants to integrate back into who you are. And wash away all of that stuff. Burn it up. Burn it up. Start to pray the following. Jesus, I want the rest of my salvation. Because you, you know, we're going through our salvation process. Jesus, I want the rest of my salvation. I want the rest of my healing. Bring me to places that you want to heal. 
So, some of you may not have this category either. But when you go through this process, there is a beautiful theme in the gospel. A beautiful theme that Jesus wants to take us from salvation, free from sin, healing, restoration, and it will continue. And there's a beautiful part in the Gospel of John. Have we got John 15? I don't know if I have it up there, Mal. No? Thanks. Um, my apologies. Where he ch- Jesus changes the topic with his disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And then, if you read John 17, he continues that. He starts to pray for us like he starts to pray like he's praying for his own disciples. He wants the end game is now to bring you into full friendship with him. Just imagine that. Jesus says, you're my friend. Now, as Christian, or me, I have found that so hard to believe. The living God, Jesus, wants to call me friend. Are you having a laugh? And that's the religious crap we have to get away from. If That's the litmus test for me. At, at the moment in my heart, the litmus test for me is, would you allow Jesus to call your friend? And just listen to the nonsense that goes on. No, I'm not good enough. No, look at that disqualification that you go through. And that's not good. That is really not good. But Jesus wants to call your friend. And that is a subtle unfolding of being the friend of the king in this time. Okay, we're going to give out communion and then we're going to pray over this and sanctify what we, what we talked about. Yeah? Will you give me a hand? Pass it. <coughs> no hands that you want. people lagging jackets right personal fire fire warmers right we'll do this um okay <coughs> Maddie, uh, I'll leave the recording on but I might pick this up it's only it's communion anyway so I'll step up so let's stand let's stand let's stand during the week when I was thinking about communion you might get this, but I didn't, and you might go, Jeepers, Bernard's, that's mad that you don't have that, because I knew this. But I, I felt a deeper revelation of, of the Father's Lamb of God, right? Like that Jesus is the Lamb of God, right? We look at those sacrifices that, that was made, leading up to the sacrifice of all sacrifice. Like these were like a, a theatrical play, leading up to, and then finally the Father took Jesus and made him the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Imagine what the Father had to go through. Just imagine that God had to make his son the sacrifice, the final Lamb, the final thing that was done. This is it. It is so beautiful. That day, we're told in Hebrews that there was a mirror Something else happening in the spiritual. What I often thought was there a big vat of Jesus' blood brought in front of the Father. And Derek Prince talks about this. And he says, instead of wrath, that blood called out mercy. It called out mercy. Lord, have mercy. Father, have mercy. Your wrath, Father, on me. So Jesus, we take this blood today we recognize that you took the wrath of the Father for us so that we could step into fullness of, of who you have for us. Jesus, we take this blood and we say, heal us. Bring us to places of full integration with you. Make us whole pots where the cracks are filled in with your integrating power 
the very essence that holds all things together, Jesus. So Jesus, we take now this bread and we thank you so much for what you've done for us. We recognise and remember through this that you were the Lamb of God. To make way for us. Everything was put onto your body for us, Jesus. Our infirmities, our sicknesses, be it mental or physical, Lord, you set us free from it all. I thank you, Jesus, for the joy set before you. And that joy was us. Jesus, I pray as we take this, that for every heart here, they realize today that there's more from you, more healing, more restoration, that your blood is still working that you conquered the grave, that you conquered the enemy. The enemy has no say over our lives. So Lord, can you show us where we've allowed the enemy to tell us lies and we cut them off with the blood of the Lamb today. Amen. 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 Amen.